This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This episode is brought to you by the Tent Drill. Do you have problems keeping your tent staked out? Do other campers trip over your guidelines and wreak havoc upon your setup? Is sand your enemy? Introducing the tent drill. It simply drills a hole so deep, sometimes down to the earth's mantle, to keep your stakes as secure as your bare canister food. Check it out at nomorefloppytents.com. everybody, this is Derek, and with me today is the only man who shamelessly uses tree bark as both tent steaks and spoon for meals, mm. Carl Mandrioli. <laughs> How are we doing today, buddy? Doing great, my friend. With me today is Derek Somerville. He's the guy who has a line of 100 cars behind him when he's driving up a mountain, but still refuses to pull over. I'm that guy. 200. Yeah. Give me 200. 200. Yeah. 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 Love that guy. Uh, I was behind that guy a ton on my recent road trip. That drives me nuts. Drives oh, me nuts. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So the best guy is when they hustle to get in front of you, like they're going to turn out right in front of you from like a parking lot right. just to slow you down. Just so. to slow you down. Right. Exactly. Okay. We, so we, we got, go ahead. I was going to say we are interviewing an author today. We are. This is a big deal because, you know, you know, reading and writing is, is challenging for you. So <laughs> I, I, I'm glad that we could get her on and uh, hopefully get some pointers. Yeah, we got Christine you know? Reed, author of Alone in Wonderland. I actually met her in person at the Outdoor Retailer Show. She was there promo herself. The Lady Unicorn. Yeah, Lady Unicorn. The Lady Unicorn. Yeah, so yeah. that's her trail name. And yeah, and so I started talking to her. And yeah, authors are interesting because authors can kind of go one of two ways. They can be very excited about what they wrote, very engaging or very like kind of mm. withdrawn and mellow. And um, mm. yeah, we've had both on our show, I think. And so, and we she, have. and she brought so much energy. I was like, oh yeah, she's going to be a great guest. And um, I think that everyone will find that she, she was, that, yeah, yeah, she was, she is. So, so yeah. Uh, but you didn't read the book, correct? Uh, no, I did not read the book. I didn't, <laughs> no time, but no time to read. But she's so, she, you know, she but, talked about like the, what it's about. And I think it relates to everybody in the sense of like personal growth and, um, so I think we had some good conversation about all that stuff, which is what you're going to hear about. So, so you were still able to connect with the conversation sure. despite. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well done. Absolutely. Well done. So, so we'll get to that. We got our Bible verse for the episode is first Peter two, nine, 
But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Mm. All right. So for those that have found mm. their eternal purpose, this verse makes a lot of sense. For those that sure. haven't, well, I hope you're still searching. So Derek, what's your passion? What's your purpose? What's my passion in life and my purpose in life? Yeah. Yeah. That's so broad, Carl. It's so broad. I guess my- I know. I know. Well, this is a question that I asked Christine. I, didn't, I, I asked her more if she was searching for that or if she was questioning that. And so you're, you know, 50, 60 years older than her, so I think you have an answer. <laughs> that would be impressive. I guess I'm half elf. Um, so I think that if, you, I mean, I have a lot of passions in life, but I think, I think my purpose is to be a good steward of the Lord, um, you know, be a good dad to my kids. And uh, I, I think one of my passions is to always seek adventure in, in any capacity, mm. whether it's a local adventure or international mm-hmm. adventure or, or something, just doing something new. So um, I was right. like, and I, and I like to learn. I think I'm passionate about learning about how things work and operate and how people, why people are the way they are, like all that stuff. I find that very exciting. So so when you say you're seeking adventure, does that is that like daily? Like are you, do you include, you know, your frequent visits to Costco as part of the adventure, your your training on carpet or what's what's how would you define the adventure? Like can like can I re- can I return this item this time? Are they sick of me yet? You know, absolutely. Oh, for sure. That's that's an adventure in itself. Have I reached the return limit? Are they gonna blacklist me at Costco? What's the what's the most obnoxiously large thing I can fit in my shopping cart? And you know, things like that. So right. Um, Right. All that stuff, you know, how much can I bring into the self checkout line? All, all that stuff. Can I yeah. get away with like eleven items in the 10, 10 item checkout line? Oh my gosh, that reminds me. This is this is this is off topic, but talking about fitting things in your shopping cart and like kind of barreling into people. That reminded me of a, a recent trip I took, where you know when people aren't using their trekking poles, they kind of storm away vertically on their pack. This guy stored them okay. away horizontally, so they were coming out both sides <laughs> of his pack. I think I asked him like how many people he had stabbed that day, and he was like, "That's huh? hilarious." Huh? <laughs> no idea. There's no idea. That's anyway, hilarious. Right? Yeah. So what what are you passionate about? What are you? What's your purpose? Okay, in so life? passion for me is definitely like you know, and I think this kind of relates to our podcast is just building community. Like you know, okay. for me, the podcast is more of a a community than a a business, and so building community. And, and tying that into, yeah, like what my purpose is for the Lord. We, I feel like we all have different purposes out there. And so what's, what is my role to play? And so it changes as, you know, you get older. And right now it's leading Bible studies yeah. and trying to connect with people and fellowship with them on a personal level. So I'm glad it's more, I'm just, I'm glad to hear as your friend, it's more than just, you know, finishing the laundry or doing the dishes. So that's good. That's yeah. encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I've upgraded since last year. So good for you. Are. Yeah. So this whole concept of like purpose, passion, identity, I think it gets explored in this book. And so, so we're going to check in with Christine Reed and her reflection upon all these things kind of framed by the Wonderland Trail. So here's how it went down. We're here with Christine Reed, author of Alone in Wonderland, The Lady Unicorn Herself. How's it going today? The Lady Unicorn, best day ever. Okay. Uh, best day ever. Best. What about you? <laughs> well, tell us where you're from and whatever spin you want to put on it is totally fine. You can, you know, make it up or tell the truth, whatever you want to do. Totally fictional story. <laughs> totally flexible. Um, yeah, I, my dad was in the military, so we moved around a lot in my childhood. Mm. Um, but I would say I spent the most time of my youth in Florida and California. Nice. Okay. California. Yeah. Nice. Great choice, dad. Great choice. Uh, or military. <laughs> well, military. Was he, was he on Pendleton or where was he? 
Um, he was in the Coast Guard, so we were out at Ooh. the Two Rock Training Center near Petaluma. Okay. 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 Yeah. Well, good to have you on. I'm excited. This is going to be fun. We have a, a real author, Riles. You can get some writing tips and learn how to write better. So this will be good. I could, get, I could definitely use yeah. that for sure. So Backpacking Magazine has you ranked as the third most influential outdoor author. Any guesses as, is to, as to who? Yes, it oh, is. As, any guesses as to who's ranked ahead of you? <laughs> I love that. I love There's no that. backpacking magazine. There's I no backpacking that. magazine. I love that she. Ca- oh my gosh, she <laughs> called it out right away. That I, was know, awesome. I know. I know. I know. Amazing. I was like, whoa! If that's real, no one has told She's me. She's like, that's it. It can't be real. We can start a backpacking magazine right now if you want. This is it. Okay, wait. Okay, wait. So who's ahead of me? Who's ranked ahead of you? As in backpacking like, magazine? Who's, who's yeah. better than you? Is what he, oh, that's what he's trying to say. <laughs> I mean, Heather Anderson, right? Okay. She's got to be number one. She's um, legit. And then uh, maybe you know it could be Zach Davis. Mm. Okay. Um, he has. I mean, he only wrote the one book, but he's incredibly influential. Okay. And that book, that book spawned like a whole thing. So yeah, well, you're close because that those were four and five on the list. So I had uh, Bill Bryson. So, you oh. know, f- famous for also partially completing the Appalachian Trail. Partially. Got a connection nice. there. Yeah. And then... Um, Starbucks cup of coffee? I think for the book, I think for the book called Oh, the Places You'll Go, Dr. Seuss was number oh two. Oh, my mm. <laughs> Love that. Oh. Yeah, that yeah. makes perfect sense. You're right. Okay. I thought you were going to say that it was like a Starbucks cup of coffee or something, but that wouldn't be... <laughs> as, as what? As like, as as like what? number one, because it's the most popular thing, right? The most influential author? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Because coffee's an author. That makes sense. Somebody somebody wrote about coffee. Coffee's sure. probably written some books. People, you could argue. Exactly. We'll, exactly. we'll circle back to the question so that makes sense later, Derek, but that's okay. You know what? It's called branching out. Try You're it. up. <laughs> You're up. <laughs> All right. I want to know what, what inspired you to become an author. Like, why? what made you want to write a book and just do writing? Yeah, I... I've been a huge reader my whole life. Um, I love books and I think books are really powerful. Honestly, I hadn't really given too much thought to writing until I was on the Wonderland Trail. And I picked up a book at the gift shop in Mount Rainier that was like a you know series of short stories um, from a female guiding, or she was a female ranger on Mount Rainier. And I really wanted the book to be this like super empowering, mm. like women can mm. do anything. <laughs> kind of story. Okay. And it wasn't. Yeah. And I was sure. disappointed. And and yeah. honestly, the book was fine. Like it was funny stories from working in a national park, which I totally related to. Um, but I wanted it to be I wanted it to be a mm, little more right. like female forward. And I realized oh, that yeah. I realized that that must just it's it's a book I wanted to read. So I thought, mm. you know, no one has written this book, I should write this book. Good for you. Yeah. That's interesting. That's not like the, the female four definitely is, is a big part of your book, but in terms of like the females can do everything, I got more of a like, if I can do it, you can do it kind of vibe from the book. It's called the quality, Carl. It's called the quality. Okay. It's true. It's true. Um, I definitely didn't. I. It's so funny, actually, because I've had this co- like kind of conversation with lots of men where they're like, wow, I super related to your story. I really found it very empowering. And I was like, so interesting because mm. I just didn't. It's not that I was necessarily trying to write a book only for women, but it was definitely a book about a woman's experience. Nice. Right. And I have loved I have loved that it apparently was much more relatable than I realized it would be. Well, you're probably verbal. I mean, you're very vulnerable and you're very honest 
throughout the book. And so I think you're just verbalizing a lot of what people feel, but maybe are uncomfortable to verbalize or can't put mm. to words. Is that fair to say? Mm. Yes, that was definitely part of it. A big part of why I wanted to write specifically a story about independence and loneliness is because I was feeling those things really strongly and mm. and I was really grappling with what is the difference between independence and loneliness and when have I taken independence too far. Mm. And it was when I was on the Wonderland Trail that I was sort of posing these questions to other hikers and I realized, oh, I'm not the only person who's feeling this way. We're just not mm. talking about it. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the let's talk about the structure of the book, just because it is about. I mean, you're talking about like the deeper side of the book as well, but it's. Would you? Is it fair to say that you framed it like the Wonderland Trail hike sort of frames the book, but then it kind of digs deeper from there? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the the draw to the book for sure. It's definitely yeah, kind of dealing with more like adult issues or kind of like your reflection of kind of your childhood moving on into your adulthood. So like, I found it really engaging mm. and. I guess side note, like I, I'm a reader too, or at least I was back in the day and I'm a pretty picky reader. So the flow of the book really matters to me. And so if there's some, if there's a book, especially with like outdoor writing where they're just like the waterfall cascaded down the mountain <laughs> to the rocks, yeah. to the pointy rocks too that much. were reaching up, just, <laughs> just daring somebody to fall off the ledge, you know, like I, I have to put the book down and it wasn't like that. It was, it was a smooth read. It was w very well written. So, so thumbs up there. It was real, Carl. It was real. It was real. Did you connect with it? Sounds like you connected with it. Did yeah. you connect with it? Absolutely, Carl. Yeah, because we, we talked about this on the podcast. Like we've talked about the whole. Well, I, I'm just saying, if there's something, if there's something you want to share personally that that you know resonated with you, now's we've the time. We've talked about this. We talked about the whole so. issue of self-esteem and lack thereof, and mm. that definitely connects to this story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the other thing, the other part of the book too, is that it's not just the trail and it's not just digging to the past, but you have these fun encounters along the way. Yeah. So let's, let's kind of, I, I don't want to give too much of the book away, but let's dive into a few of these things. So can you share real quick? You, I don't know if you remember, it was like on, I think it was day one where you had this awkward conversation with a couple guys. I think this is kind of related back to your loneliness where you're like, I just want to have a connection with somebody and you went up to talk to them and they were not interested. Yeah. So I like got to a campsite and there was these two guys there and I was like, Ooh, cute guys. Um, but more, I really just wanted to like be in space with somebody, um, and, and have a conversation. I had been spending a ton of time alone leading up to the trail, you know, and I feel like in the, in the through hiking community, especially with my, my mm. history was hiking on the Appalachian trail. There is a sense that everyone is your friend and, I, I did come to find on the Wonderland Trail, which is a much shorter trail, and there's a lot fewer people hiking mm -hmm. alone, and you're not all going the same direction, and you have assigned camping. There's a bunch of reasons why um, it doesn't have the same community feel that's sort of built into the AT. Um, yeah, so I mm -hmm. like went over to talk to these guys, and they were just like, cool, cool, like, you know who are you? We had the normal like back and forth. And then they were just like, okay. And like went back to what they were doing. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, right. I was like, guess yeah. I'll just go over here by myself then. <laughs> okay. I'll uh, have a good time. <laughs> have a good time. I would, I would like to apologize <laughs> on behalf of those guys, because I think I can maybe be that guy. hundred percent. When we have our, we have like our annual July trips where I'm so excited to hang out with my core group of guys that, we just, I just want to hang out with them. And we tend to attract people wandering into our campsite. Just everybody that wants to hang out with us because we're having the time. best time. Yeah, because we're having a great time. Out. Yeah, and absolutely. We're, yeah, and we're so, so friendly. Derek's probably friendlier than I am, True. but we're, we're trying to, we're trying to connect, to be honest. So, 
Sorry. Yeah. No, I totally get it. And I was just like, you know, choo-chooed out of the room. I think I know the problem was, though. I think you needed to go up to them and say, hey, can I filter some of your water for you? And then <laughs> then you would have had that connection, you know? Friends for so, life. Friends for life. That's it right yeah. there. And one other thing you said in that encounter was like you walked away from that wondering like how they're going to take that encounter. Like, was she trying to, you know, kind of get in on our social time? And you kind of overanalyze like if they were even going to remember that encounter mm-hmm. and and probably not. Right. But if it was Derek and I, we probably would be talking about it on the podcast because we find all encounters to be very interesting. True. Yeah. I uh, Well, like one of the things I've learned over many years is just that like people are way less interested in you than you think they are. And that helps me that helps mm. me not be anxious as much about what are people thinking about me. That's a good point. Because often, yeah. you know, I you will just forget that someone exists after you've interacted with them. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also this, the, the thought that you're also, it seems like you're genuinely interested in other people because you're writing about all these different encounters that are kind of these touch, touchstone moments on the trail. So I guess the thought would be like, if I'm interested in these other people, then why wouldn't they be interested in me, right? Yeah, Absolutely. But I also will forget those people existed <laughs> or, or probably <laughs> would have, I probably would have already forgotten they existed if I hadn't written oh, about it. That's so funny. Right. You can always have to reread the book, I guess. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, okay. One other encounter you had, we always like the ranger encounters. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the ranger that you talked to, I think second was the one that said, look, your permit is for these backcountry campsites, but don't risk your life to make the site. If the water level's too high, camp wherever right yeah yeah Mm. did you take that as license to just camp wherever (laughs) (laughs) i would have definitely would have um as a rule no but i did camp not in my campsite one night but it was in a very trafficked area (gasps) i know gasp i thought you read the book I read the book. Yeah. No, Derek, does, oh, Derek doesn't read. Derek's working on his ABCs still. So I see. I'm still okay. doing it. One, two, three, ABC. Yeah, makes yeah. perfect sense. No, yeah. I, there no. was, there was one day that we got to, I was kind of hiking with a few other people that were headed to the same place and we got to, uh, what honestly should be a campsite cause it's so beautiful. <laughs> mm. Um, huh. and there was, you know, it was like a little cabin and it had a porch and some dirt in front of it. So we were able to camp there without trampling any of the Alpine meadows. Wow. I think right. I would, I would just nice. would have, and, and when she told me that, when she was like, if the river's too high, then you can just camp on this side, this side of the river that you're on and wait till morning. And I was like, uh, I'm just going to camp like randomly next to a river. That seems, I don't know, against the <laughs> rules. Um, I would never do that. I would wow. never do that. Cause it's probably like all beautiful and, and little fragile alpine plants right, and right. stuff. Right, 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 right. That's yeah, funny. I think that, oh yeah, gosh. a couple of takeaways from this. First of all is I don't even mean to say like you can't wherever the whole trail. I just meant like it might have changed your mindset where you're thinking, hey, if I'm having a hard time, this hill's really hard. I'm going to put myself in danger by continuing on. I'll just I'll just crash out over here, right? Like it just give, kind of gives you license to almost change your mindset. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And I think and I think that's such an important thing to tell people because some of us are just rule followers. Right. right. Um <clears throat> and and she was like, don't put your life at risk to follow the rules. And I'm like, man, not to be that person, but like I hadn't really thought about my life being at risk out here. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I <laughs> like I know in that national parks are not Disneyland and like people should know that, but mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, this is a trail that hundreds, many hundreds of people right, do every right. year. Like I've never heard of anything bad happening. And, and it just hadn't even occurred to me that there was like life threatening high water right. 
until until she said right. so. And someone had died earlier that week. Really? On the trip. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. Wow. Carl, this this sounds like you're kind of this sounds like you're kind of ranger though, Carl. Like, you know, I mean, like, you know, you could have been like, look, I didn't want to carry that extra bear, bear canister because I just I didn't want to put my you know body at risk. <laughs> safety first, Ranger. Safety first. You know? Um mental note, that sounds like actually a good excuse. I like you're welcome. that. Yeah, no, I th- I just think that this ranger spoke a lot of truth, and I think that we gotta keep that in mind that we're trying to make our camp spots. If we don't make it, like you don't risk your life to make your permit, right? So that, I just thought that was a really important takeaway. That is wow. For sure. Yeah. Okay, so so getting back to the like the nitty-gritty of the book, you said that you weren't sure if you were seeking solitude or some form of independence. So what conclusions or did you have any conclusions on this? Uh um, I will say every trail experience that I've had has posed more questions than it has answered. I really was at a place where I had kind of like built my life around this idea of Mm. like radical independence. And I had gotten to a point where that had become very lonely because I pushed, I'd pushed so many people away over the course of years. And, and for some reason, you know, I, the beginning Mm. of that journey was the Appalachian trail for me. And then three years later, I find myself on the Wonderland trail, sort of like, asking the same question from a different direction. Before the eight, before the AT, I needed independence because I had none. Right. And then three years later, I was asking, wait, mm-hmm. what's so great about all this independence I've found? So I think the Wonderland Trail really was an opportunity for me to kind of assess that mm-hmm. with a more open mind rather than just going into it thinking like, oh, everyone thinks independence is so great. I got to mm-hmm. get me some right, of that. Right. That's interesting. Makes yeah. Sense. Because I think that's something that I definitely grapple with my early 20s. Like when I moved out of my parents' house, I, you know, I I crashed at another, you know, we basically got some roommates. And then I was like, I never, I never want to go back. And so I I made a point of never staying at my parents' house ever again, which is probably to the extreme. But then as you progress, like, I think even like towards the end of the book, then you started kind of grappling with the issue of then identity, did this trail or, or since then, have, have you come to any conclusions about that? Like, kind of like what the importance of identity is and how you identify? In ways, yes, for sure. I think also, you know, I had done the big section of the AT in 2015, and then I hadn't really backpacked since then. And one of the things that I was sort of wondering about myself, like I had gone back and gotten a normal job and like did the city thing for a while. And I realized that just didn't really suit me. Mm. And I had just moved into a van before the Wonderland Trail. And I was like, cool, I'm this like outdoorsy van chick mm. now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's the identity. Outdoorsy yeah. Van chick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, when the opportunity to hike came up, I thought, am I still a backpacker? Like, I don't even know that you becoming a backpacker was like such a huge part of moving myself into this new world um, in my middle twenties. And Mm. then I didn't really backpack again after that for a few years. And so even though I was still very much holding on to that identity as, as such a pivotal part of who I was, I wasn't doing Mm. it. And so Mm -hmm. there was something about the Wonderland trail that was like, Oh, I guess I got to get a stamp on the passport to like continue being, (laughs) to continue being a backpacker. Right. 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 Um, and that's definitely something that I still I still think about a lot, like how much backpacking do I have to do to continue to be a backpacker and and how important mm. is it to me to continue to hold on to that identity as one of my primary, I guess, identities, primary things that I like think of myself as. Yeah. Like you don't you don't want to feel like you've lost that part of yourself. No. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, so Derek can answer that question really quickly. Is you have to do no backpacking to identify as a backpacker? That's his experience. So, uh, I mean, you can walk around your yard. You know, I mean, that's there it is. You're like I'm hiking. Derek goes on the fewest amount of backpacking trips for anybody that has a podcast about it. Do, do some do some yard work and uh, in some boots, and you're good. You know, put a backpack on. Sweet. You know. I like loose definitions too. Yeah, you know, I mean, flexible. Flexible. I mean, you, you also mentioned running too is kind of part of that like identity reflection. And so mm-hmm. I just got thinking, I'm like, man, if you get into a car accident, which jacks you up, you or anybody out there and you mm-hmm. identify as like, I'm a runner, I'm part of the running community, I'm a backpacker, I'm part of the backpacking community. I mean, that can like shake your world. That can shatter you basically, right? Totally. Yeah. That's something I think about a lot because people will be like, hey, want to go mountain biking? And I'm like, absolutely no. Like if I broke my leg on a bike doing something stupid, <laughs> right. like that would like who rides a bike on a mountain? that would ruin yeah. everything about how I see myself in the world. And right. and I have witnessed many people go through things like this, and and you know there's there's I guess an inevitability that I will have to take time off from the things that I love at periods in my life. But I don't know. I'm definitely not willing to risk my A-list identity sports to do a B-list really dangerous thing. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. Good, no, wow. good for you. That's good, good for yeah. you. That's, that's wisdom right there. I like that. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I stopped playing basketball actually. So, so I guess, <laughs> I guess my, let's co- be honest, you're, you're on the bench, Carl. You're on the bench. Didn't want to get injured playing basketball. <laughs> well, I think once you hit, you when you can't make yeah. a shot, I mean, you got to retire, right? So, <laughs> um, so I guess my question too is, is, so I, I struggled with this too when I was in my 20s and I don't know when it happened, but at some point you sort of shift your focus. You get sort of, I don't know, satisfied with with who you are, content with who you are. You realize kind of where, where you fit in. And so you shift your focus to kind of passion and purpose. And so I'm mm-hmm. wondering if if you've had any th- thoughts along those lines where it's like, you're okay, you're, you're kind of striking out on your own. You're doing the van life thing. You're able to, you know, to through hike a pretty significant trail. So what does this all mean? Like, what's, where am I going with this? Like, have you had that? Have you ever had those questions? I guess. For sure. And I, I have been thinking a lot recently about the kind of two, two paths that I'm on one being, you know, hiking and rock climbing and running and doing outdoorsy things. And the other one being becoming Mm -hmm. a writer, um, and -hmm. sharing stories and, I absolutely plan to continue to do both of those things and for them to be quite intertwined. But there's something about uh, how much energy to put into each and and how to guide each of those parts of my life. Because I do think my purpose is not to walk through the woods. My purpose is to connect with other people over that. Mm-hmm. And And I think that was the piece that was maybe missing earlier on was that first I had to walk through the woods to figure out who I was and what I was trying to do with my life and to find independence. And like, there was all these kind of like really personal things I was trying to do. Um, And now I'm Mm. sort of transitioning into a space where, where those journeys are so much more about sharing um, with other people and helping, maybe helping them find that part of their journey. Yeah. I think we're on the same page here for sure. I agree. Part of it too, is that I, yeah, don't want to, hike by myself anyway, just because, yeah, the loneliness aspect for sure. But so at this point, are you just only, when you go backpacking, is it pretty much with at least one other person? Um, So I did the Colorado trail this past fall and I started with a friend who I met on the AT. Uh, She flew out and we started the trail and she ended up getting injured about 20 days in. 
Okay. And and I had a bit of like the most ironic crisis of like I didn't plan to do this trail alone. Right. And right. if she leaves, am I going to finish? Am I going to keep hiking? Right. Do I want to quit? Like how attached am I to finishing this thing? Yeah. Um I really didn't have a, a plan for if if she had had to get off trail. And mm-hmm. and it, we <laughs> like the Colorado Trail. Most people hike southbound, and they start at the beginning of July. And we st- hiked right. northbound, and we started at the second week of August. So there weren't really a ton of people out there. Um, so if I had if I'd gone on alone, I would have been pretty alone out there. But luckily, mm-hmm. I had another friend who had originally been interested in coming along who had decided not to. But then when he saw all of our photos on Instagram, was like. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I'll so, join up. So I called him and I was like, hey, Maybelline got hurt. Can you, do you want to come out? And he came and joined me. So I ended up hiking wow. five days solo in between okay. her leaving and him coming. Right. That's cool. But I will say I really, really enjoyed those five days solo. And it was only after she left and I had been all full of anxiety about it that I was like, oh, right. actually, this is great. I don't know why I was so worried. Right, right, right. Wow. So I do think in the future I will continue to hike solo. Um, I will just yeah. have the equal amount of angst about it that I always have as if I've never done this before. <laughs> gotcha. you accept, you've accepted it. Like, okay. It's just part of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Natural. All right. So I, I would like to recant what I said about being on the same page then. Cause I'm not hiking solo. I'm I definitely, <laughs> I definitely prefer. Carl hates it. Yeah. I do. I, I, I prefer to be part of the group. So yeah, but I get it. I, there's, there's definitely value in that. And there's time when I, when I have to peel away and get on the trail and, Right. And have that alone time. So I, I get it. I just. What's what's like the minimum for you, Carl? Is like hiking with a llama? Is that the minimum? Ooh, yeah. I mean, we started bringing <laughs> our dog yes. along on a few trips and that that's like a oh, half person, okay. right? Something. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. It's close. Close. Yeah. Thing. And, and circling back to what you were saying about, you know, kind of passion, purpose and the writing being a piece of that. Like one of the, I guess a couple things that, that were big moments for me in the book I won't go into too much detail, so I don't want to ruin parts of the story, but you, you mentioned a hike early on where you, where you were in Arkansas that you struggled. And then again, when you struggled hiking up the mist trailing Yosemite mm-hmm. and, and Derek and I know people that have struggled and had struggles that you were able to verbalize, but their response was very different. Like they simply just crumbled. Yes. And that could be, yeah. they could like have a fake injury or a fake sickness. And, and so I think it was important for your book to show that like you struggled, but then of course like pushed on and, you know, like tying into the Mount Whitney story or whatever. That's where I got from the book kind of reading between the lines, the, if I can do it, you can do it. And so I think that, I don't know, that was one of the big important takeaways I think from the book for me. Absolutely. I think too. So like I had several reasons for hiking the Appalachian trail back in my early twenties. And one of them was definitely about independence, but one of them was really about doing hard things because I had never Mm. struggled to do anything in my life. Like as I had such a cushy childhood and I was always really good at school. So like that was easy. And then I learned at a very young age that I was not athletic. And so I just, Mm. I just (laughs) never did anything exercise related unless it was PE class. And like, they don't push you that hard in PE class. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but like, I don't know about that. <laughs> depends on the teacher i mean i hated <laughs> it yeah. i hated it there was definitely like tears in pe in my childhood but right. but i right. just avoided all physical activity and so it wasn't until like in my 20s i i had this crackpot idea that i was gonna go hike the at even though i barely ever hiked and, and a big part of that for me was saying like i'm gonna do this hard thing and it's gonna be really hard and i'm gonna like prove that i can do it anyway mm. okay so yeah the, the mindset that 
The irony in what you just said, though, is that you said you didn't view yourself as an athlete, but here you are, you're, you're selling books, so you're literally getting paid to go backpacking. You're, you're now a professional athlete, Christine. <laughs> She's an author, Carl. Author first. Yes, there's a huge irony there. Um, but it's also like even part of this part of my journey, I feel like is such an illustration of like literally anyone can do it. Mm. Like my my ability, my innate ability, athletic ability is something of a joke. I mean, I don't know if that offends Carl though, because it's like saying like, Carl, everything that you love to do is not a big deal. And like anybody can do it, you know, it's, it's Ooh, that's not what I said I mean, at all. That's, that's my <laughs> takeaway. That's, that's my takeaway. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? A baby could do what you do, Carl. You know what I mean? I think it's, it is a big deal and you can make the choice to do True. something that's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, that's why we call it an adventure, right? If there's a chance of failure, like you mentioned before, a chance of death even. I mean, so much so that they don't, like, you didn't even know that it was as scary as it is because people are dying so often they don't even advertise it anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, there's there's risk, man. That's, that's, part, that's part of it. That's part of being the athlete, I guess. Just a different kind of athlete. First of all, she's not a man, but I will jump in and say. I was responding to you on that. And that me? Situation. No, you're not. Get out of here. So, I, I mean, I, I think that's true, though. I think even though, like, on my death march, it was such a challenge mentally. And I think that there's there's something to be said about, like, you a, a large part of me, at least, like, and I know other people, you can't grow unless you are putting yourself in challenging situations to to frustrate yourself or to 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 challenge yourself to to do things that you don't know for sure if you can actually do until you do them. So, I think there's a lot to be said about you know you going out and just just I'm just going to do this gnarly trail and I'm not sure what's going to happen. I think that's that says a lot about you as a person too to be willing to do those kinds of things because I was afraid to travel for a long time just because I'm like, Oh my gosh, what if I'm overseas and I forget my deodorant and I, I don't have my toothbrush. Like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? I don't know where to go. I don't know where to get one. You know? And then once you actually go out there and do it, you're like, what am I, what am I, I need to do this more. Like, this is like so good for my soul, you know? So, okay. What is your death March? Uh, my, my death March was, uh, we, we talk about like, what was your hardest kind of trip? So my, one of my hardest trips before I ever went, I never really had backpacked at camp, but not backpacked. So you know, it was like Rocky and Carl and our friend Nolan were going on this trip and it was Red Peak Pass. It was like this, this, you know, mm-hmm. 12,000, almost 12,000 foot peak and all this stuff. And they're like, Hey, do you want to go on this trip with us? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll go. Like, like how hard can it be to walk around with a backpack? Right. So I like load up the backpack, like way too much stuff. I think Carl and I took out some stuff before the trip, but I still had like a flannel sleeping bag, like way too yep. much stuff. It was ridiculous. <laughs> And then we get there and I remember like, I don't remember what he told me about the details of the trip. He's like, yeah, it's going to be like just like three days or something. We're going like 52 miles. I'm like, what? 52 miles? What? <laughs> like elevations like 3000 feet or something crazy like that. Right. And I'm like, uh, okay. I don't know what that really means, but I mean, day one, I had 18 <laughs> blisters on my feet and I couldn't feel every, like, you know, you wake up sometimes you're like, oh, my back's sore. My neck's sore. Every single muscle hurt. And I was like, this is new. And then I remember getting out of the sleeping bag and being like, how can I move today? Carl comes around from doing something. He's like, all right, guys, today's going to be the tough day. And I'm like, what? 19 miles today or something crazy like that. I'm like, what? (laughs) So getting through that, I think I ended up having to give like some gear to the guys, but like getting through that mentally for me was like huge because it taught me a lot about my own willpower and what I'm able to push through even you know, like when you want to give up and your body's just like screaming at you and you can barely put one foot in front of the other, like to put yourself in situations, maybe not that gnarly, but like to challenge yourself. Um, it, it grew me a lot and it taught me a lot about myself yeah. and I yeah. was, I didn't even know that was going to happen. So, and it ended up making me really fall in love with backpacking and, and challenging myself and just being out there. So 
Yeah, nice. Well, well I love said, that. Man. I've had a lot of people ask me about my Mount Whitney hike because that was really early in my backpacking or before my backpacking career, early in my hiking career. And people being like, just, you know, yeah. wasn't that really stupid? And don't you not like not want to encourage other people to be so stupid? And I'm like, yes, right. I would not recommend somebody go hike Mount Whitney as their first more than five mile hike. <laughs> I am not yeah. telling you to do that, right. but I do right. think that those those situations that we find ourselves in, where we're like, "Wow, I am in way deeper than I realized," and there is only there is only one way out. Um, those are real opportunities right, right. for growth, right. and I think the person who is silly enough, like I was, to make that mistake, uh, is not aware that I exist and isn't taking advice from me anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and just and just so you know, a couple couple of thoughts and reactions. So Derek's Derek's like death march was a big breakthrough for him both mentally and physically and his response to that was from now on i only want to go on two mile a day backpacking trips so i don't know that, that <laughs> for worked sure out in the end. for sure <laughs> but um the other thought too is yeah with the mount whitney thing so i've actually failed to climb that mountain twice so and both times mm. were at, you know i was living shoulder at injury. zero feet elevation two, two yeah, shoulder, shoulder injuries yeah <laughs> um but yeah, so so to to hear somebody who's like, I had a you know a challenging time with the Mist Trail, and then completed Mount Whitney, Whitney. I don't care how long it took. Like that was that was impressive. So, I guess my question is for somebody who who does have that you know they've had that initial failure, that struggle. Yeah, would you just hand them one of these books and be like, check this out, you can do it. <laughs> Here you go, inspiration. You go. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, maybe I personally wouldn't do that, but I would love it if other people would t- take it upon themselves okay. to hand out copies of well, my you're book. you're being humble. <laughs> right. Who would you, like, if you had to, if you had, like, a target market, you would say this book is best for who? Um, definitely people who are interested in doing hard things like hiking and backpacking, but are feeling really nervous about it or don't know where to start or just having a lot of self-doubt about, like, I don't think I'm capable of this, but I would like to be. Okay. Yeah, just say, do you want to grow? Read this. Yeah, I, yeah <laughs> I think that's fair. So so anytime we have somebody who's who's hiked a lot, backpack, especially through hikes, we always like to talk gear. So no, let's talk about let's talk about your backpacking setup for these like mm. long trails that you're going on and like what you like to bring, backpack, tent, stove, what kind of pad or bag yeah. you use, things like that. Sure. Yeah. Um I've been carrying the same Osprey Osprey Aura oh. 50 liter since 2015, 2014. Osprey. She's an Osprey girl, Carl. Nice. Okay. Um I love it. It's great. I have been curious mm. about some of the more like uh, cottage company, like ultra lighty backpacks, but mm-hmm. I have had my spine fused and I'm pretty Ooh. nervous. I'm pretty nervous uh, about like, uh, you know, pad density and comfort and like how it carries. And so right. I just haven't, I have not wanted right. to give up the like pretty good comfort thing I have going yeah. with the Osprey. That's huge. Yeah. It fits. It fits. I'm also very tall. Like my body is not your standard women's dimensions. So mm. having having something fit um, is a little harder. <laughs> yeah. I'm reading here. You're, I'm reading here. You're six right, five. Right, right. Is that, is I'm, six, I'm six foot five. <laughs> okay, so make, so make no, sure. not quite. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, so I, I do Osprey backpack. I recently, after the Wonderland Trail, I upgraded from um, a men's, I had a men's 30 degree bag, which like, what mm. was I thinking? Yikes. But I did, mm. I did 650 miles of the AT and the Wonderland Trail with that. And I froze my butt off on the regular. Wow. Wow. 
And yeah, if for anybody who doesn't know, uh, women's sleeping bags and men's sleeping bags are differently rated because totally women different. do not retain heat as Very well. Very different. Yeah, right. So I, yeah, so then I got the Catabatic quilt recently, which was recommended by a hiker okay. on the Wonderland Trail. And I really, really like it. Um, I almost wish it was a bag. I'm not sure the quilt thing is for me, but... I hear you on that one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> exactly. everybody was so psyched about quilts. And so I was like, fine, fine. I'll try it. Yeah. Um, People are psyched about cold soaking too. And that's still uh, so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> not no, me. Thank no, you. I haven't even tried. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, that is, I will not go there. Um, so yeah. So I have the cat about it quilt and I also have a big Agnes um, merino wool bag liner, okay. which, which I love. Okay. That is okay. luxury. Carl, Carl loves a good bag <laughs> yeah, line, right? Yeah. Huh? It makes sense with the quilt, but I don't have a quilt. Okay. I mean, I think it would make sense with yeah. the bag uh -huh. too. It just makes uh -huh. you warmer. And I also don't really dig the swishy um, sleeping bag material touching mm. my body. So I like having that. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I so definitely have some sensory issues. issues. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I also like refuse to touch a basketball. So like if that. <laughs> <laughs> you and Carl will never be I gave it up, man. It's all done. It's, it's well, all over. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. So, You're okay. Right. So that's my sleep system. Oh, and I have, oh my gosh, I have used every inflatable light backpacking pad that there is. And I'm sorry, but they all suck. So <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm still using one, but they are just there. It's like, I, the technology just doesn't exist for them to be as light and as awesome as they seem like they are. And also durable. Mm. Are you like a long trail through hiker glamper at heart then? Like, do you no. want something? Okay. You don't no. want like a giant... I don't need it to be huge. I just need it to not break. Okay, that's fair. Understandable. That's fair. So can yeah. I predict what your tent is? Yes. Or or what it might have been at one time. Do you have the Nemo Hornet? I do. That's what I have now. Wow, oh. mind reader over here. Well, she told a story about <laughs> staking it down, and I'll share this later, but I had the same issue. I had the issue more with the wind with it where I just had a hard time keeping it staked down, mm -hmm. and it just didn't, it didn't end well. So... Interesting, because I did not have that tent on the Wonderland Trail. This, hmm. I got so that what, tent. What was the one you had a hard time staking down then? Um, it was an Alps mountaineering one and a half person. Okay. I think it's called oh, the, you said that, the Mystique. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and that one has the, it's like, you know, it's a, a tube, essentially a tunnel. Um, and it has doors on both sides, which I really liked. And then the pole system is essentially just two U-shaped poles, one over your head and mm. one over your feet. Okay. So it absolutely does not stand at all unless it's staked down. Okay. It's like the, the yeah, the Don freestanding tent. Okay. Well, that makes more sense then. Yeah. Which I did love that tent, but it was almost four pounds. So. Oh my gosh. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot. Four, four pounds. So what, what your, what's your uh, water filter setup you got there? Ooh, I use the Sawyer. Um, and if or the, the squeeze, one. yeah. Okay. And yeah, then if there, if there looks like definitely poop in the water, Ooh. um, then I will also use Aquamira tablets or the drops. Okay. Wait, wait, you're like, like there's a puddle and in the puddle you, you're, you're seeing poop. <laughs> <laughs> so like on the, water. on the Colorado trail, you're definitely drinking out of like cow water and then there's like sheep grazing mm. on part of the trail. Uh, so okay. I mean, let me get that poop water in Colorado. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> okay. Oh, avoid Colorado. Okay. All right. And still last one. What's your stove? Um, I have the MSR reactor. Oh, mm. wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Are you nice. familiar? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been using MSR for decades at this point. Okay. 
Yeah, I know oh. everybody's on like yeah. the the one with the little tripod where you it's you know your pod just sits on that. But right. um, I, I had the reactor. So when I when I did my research and I bought all of my original gear for the AT, I had no clue what I was doing. And I didn't know anyone else who backpacked. So everything okay. was just like looking on the internet. What's good? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and somehow I stumbled across the MSR reactor stove. And I was like, great, that looks awesome. And then I got out on the AT and everybody was like, what is that huge stove that you're carrying? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Because it's pretty heavy mm, duty. Right. Um, and it at is, first I was is. kind of embarrassed because everybody had, you know, their cat food can thingamajig. And then... And yeah, then <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, and then the little one with the prongs. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, man, I look right. like an idiot. And then after a few weeks of watching people struggle with their stoves and take 20 minutes to boil water, and the reactor right. literally will boil water in like a minute. Like it's so right. fast. Yeah. And quick, I'm like, I'm like, really cool. Quick. I cooked. I ate. I'm cleaning up. I'm in bed. People are still waiting on water to boil. Yes. For sure. Wow. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about that a lot on our podcast. Just, yeah, function over weight is underrated. I guess so. Totally. Yeah. Totally. All right. Let's let's. Uh, you want to keep going? Hey, I, I got I got I got one you more got one quick more. one. Okay. Um, one thing I forgot to circle back to from the book. This kind of ties yeah. back into your MSR reactor. You used the you used a phrase which was I guess shocking to me. Oh God. <laughs> and I think it needs explanation because I don't get it. It's two words. You called it dinner oatmeal. What <laughs> in the world? Yeah. What explain world? that. Okay. Okay. I had this idea on the wonderland trail that i was going to eat ramen for breakfast and oatmeal for dinner <laughs> oh my gosh okay punishment wow um okay okay she hates her life <laughs> number one i love oatmeal <laughs> okay D- depends what kind okay people people have mixed feelings i'm aware um but also at the end of the day <laughs> i want to eat something sweet and okay. i also think i wasn't like on previous hikes i wasn't getting enough calories first thing in the morning so i was like okay if i mm. eat my like big calorie dense meal in the morning I will be full of energy and salt mm-hmm. and then I can save my like sweet sugary meal mm. for after hiking, which is when I'm like craving sugar. So dinner oatmeal. There you go. That makes sense. Dinner oatmeal. Yeah. yeah. You, you did a good, you did a good job in the book explaining about how people structure dinners differently when you're doing like a long trail, such as the AT versus like a, a shorter long trail where people are bringing, I, I forget what you call it, but like the mm. almost like luxury or boutique dinners, which were just the freeze dried meals. And so it kind of was like a, a shift in your mindset. And so, yeah, like we've been eating those things forever. And so I don't know if I can go back at this point, you know, like that's all I'm going to be eating. <laughs> I know they're expensive and they're getting more, know, more yeah. freeze, the freeze dried yeah. meals. Yeah. Well, and I looked at people people eating those for three meals a day on the Wonderland Trail, and I'm like, Wonderland Trail is ten days, three meals a day. That's thirty meals. Those yeah. things are like eight or nine bucks a piece. You just drop three hundred dollars right. on. Okay. That's something I have not seen. Three meals a day with those things? I have not seen that. That's crazy. I wouldn't do okay. that. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I'd do that. Wow. Yes. I was like, so <laughs> that's like glamping right. right there. Yeah. And I think I think I spent maybe fifty dollars for all of my food for the Wonderland Trail. That is impressive. That is good. Okay. We usually like to give the guests we interview like a little uh, you know plug spot. So if there's any you want to let people know like where to find your book, um, how to find you on social media. Um, my main social media is definitely Instagram. Um, you can find me at Rugged Outdoors Woman, and my website for the book is aloneinwonderland.com. And that has like some fun links uh, to some other okay. like short stories and articles that I've written. Okay. And then, yeah, that's the best place to buy the book if you want the most money to go to the author. 
which I would appreciate. <laughs> um, there, the book guys. can be found at other book places. And it also, there is a Kindle and ebook version available. So if you're on the trail right now or um, traveling in a van or other okay. things that make it hard to have a book with you, there is an ebook version. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Nice. Well, all right. I have a feeling this is not going to be your one and only book. So definitely keep us posted when you get more books coming out. And um, Christine, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on our show. And, um, Yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This has been great. All right, reactions. So big takeaways from this man. What you got? A lot of lot of stuff to take away from her. I mean, she she's uh, she's a thinker. You know, she she likes to right. She likes to grow individually, and and I I think Mm -hmm. that's there's something to be said about that. I think a lot of people are even aware or have a desire to like try to get better as a person. They're just, you know, this is who I am. I'm good to go. And so I, I admire mm-hmm. the fact that she's like willing to, to like, like, Hey, I'm going to go hike this crazy trail and I'm not really that athletic or that great of a hiker. And she's putting herself out there, you know, and hopefully with, with safety in mind, but also it's, it's, it's such a challenge and she, she likes that unknown. And I think that that speaks to a lot of uh, outdoor people, hikers, backpackers, all that stuff. So that was really cool. Um, I thought it was, you know, I mean, she's just got, I think that she, she, like she said, like she noticed, like, you know, I still want to hike alone, but I know now more about myself and I want to hike with some other people just as much and keep it balanced. Right. And I think as you get older, like I'm realizing too, like the more balanced you are in every aspect of your life, the more enjoyable it seems to be, at least for me. So um, it's really cool to mm-hmm. see somebody who's that, uh, you know, excited about, bettering themselves and then they're able to like put it down into words for people in her same you know kind of circle like outdoorsy backpacky is that a word backpacky people it is it is now it is yeah. now yeah so yeah that was good yeah what about you yeah so i think that kind of what you're saying at the end there is that yeah this the book kind of serves as more of an inspiration for folks especially for people that might have had had to go through this process of trying to identify you know, their independence and how that works in life. And so I think that, yeah, it's inspirational in that regard for sure. Right. You know, I, I liked a lot of the fun stuff as well. The encounters that she had, she was, you know, you and I like all the the weird encounters that we have on the trail and we like sharing about them. And so I think she's a a kindred spirit in that regard, but yeah, you, now you shared your, your death March story i did you know what you hadn't shared that in a while i'm gonna gonna say well done on the story and also i gotta give you kudos because she started talking about her osprey pack and the restraint that you had to not share about your rei guy story was amazing i thought that Mm. was coming out i thought that Mm. was inevitable but you held back you know sometimes you have to filter these things (laughs) and uh, it it was her time it was her times to shine so i was just glad i have another osprey budget partner and um right there you go right yeah. I think, yeah, beyond that, I think we hit on things. I mean, this is a, a true conversation. We don't always get conversations when we do interviews, and I feel like this is a true conversation. So I think we were able to kind of discuss as we went as she was talking about the different things. Right. Yeah, I guess the only other thing to add is just that, yeah, so this book is more for somebody who's an adult. There's definitely some some themes in here which are in experiences that she's had which I think are kind of better suited for somebody who's an adult. So just, just to clarify, mm. it's an adult book for adults. I think it sounds like it's time for trivia. That's what it sounds like. Sounds like you're ready to transition trivia. Thanks again to Christine Reed. We've got her book linked in the show description. We have a lot of things linked down there, by the way. We try to link all the things we talk about, the gear and and such. And so don't be afraid to check that out. But um, yeah, you want to check her book out, Alone One and That's where it is. And so it is time for trivia coming up right after this. 
Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, MidwayUSA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. MidwayUSA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com It's time for Rare Gear Trivia. Are you interested in travel and backpacking-oriented fishing gear? Their fly rod travels rigged and ready to cast in just 30 seconds, and at just 17 inches in length when stored, it fits anywhere. Check it out at raregear.com. That's R-E-Y-R. Derek, I'm a little nervous, but this is your trivia. Look, I'm trying to customize uh, trivia now where you can just pass it because you've failed so many in a row. I'm just trying to <laughs> just trying to make it doable. So uh, okay, here we go. Okay, so we you're saying so your customization is like reasonable questions then. Reasonable. I feel like these are reasonable. I mean, there might be one that's okay. challenging for you, see. but we'll we'll see. We'll see. Uh, okay, right. um, here we go. There's a, 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 three multiple choice questions, Carl. Three. That's it. All yeah. right, here we go. A little. This is a little Washington trivia we have going today. So okay. uh, question one: What did Seattle build first? Did they build the first coffee shop? Did they build the first rotating restaurant? Or did they build the first outdoor hiking boot? <laughs> build, build a boot. All right. It's got, construct. And side note, you have not asked this question before, but I feel like we've done Washington trivia before. I feel like there was something about, I don't know, Costco in there or something, Kirkland. I don't know. Either way, we'll see if, you're, if your questions are unique. doesn't matter. So I'm going to go with the restaurant one. Oh, look at you. Got it right. Yes, yes. You're halfway there, buddy. You're halfway there. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right. Let's see. Which is false? Which is not true? Washington makes more apples or grows more apples than anybody else in the United States. Uh, it is against the law to walk around in public with a cold. Uh, it is illegal to ride an ugly horse or D Microsoft is located in Seattle. Uh, it's like bringing me back to the balderdash days here. That's what I thought when I was right. I'm going to get, I'm going to get this one wrong. I, I, I feel like my first three answers are all going to be the wrong one. So let's see. Did Microsoft change? I don't know. I'll, you, you like, I don't think are you, you did that. No, I'll go with the the cold one. Oh no that that is real that is real. Uh, yeah, Microsoft okay. is located uh, not in Seattle, Carl. It's uh, it's, okay. it's it's a red, Redland, red, Redmond, I believe. Um, okay. So yeah, thank you. They do make more apples. You in in, in one city, it is a, it is a law to 
uh, not walk around with a cold. It's illegal. And then riding an ugly horse. I mean, I don't know how you gauge that, but. Did, what did you, did you, did you Google search like weird laws or weird things about Seattle? Is that how you found that one? No, I just, I was looking up like trivia about Washington and all these popped uh, up and okay. I'm like, I think it was like in Wilbur, gotcha. Washington, you couldn't do the horse or the coal or something like that. It was, okay. was like, this is real. Wilbur, Wilbur. check yeah. it out. Check it out. Um, <laughs> a lot of pigs over there. Anyway, uh, question number three, uh, Washington is, is home to three national parks. What are they? Mm. What are they, Carl? Oh, okay. You. Just tell I feel me like what they are. You scolded me for not giving you multiple choice, and now you're just let's just fill in the blank. No, I, I, how many times have you asked me like a park question or something? And you're like, well, let's okay. see what you know. So if I don't get this right, you're you're gonna give me some uh, mockery, just <laughs> central. I'm slinging <laughs> the right. mud right back in your face. Here we I go. think I know this because I've looked into going to all these places. We've already been to I'll a little national hint. park. Okay, there you go. I was gonna say, yeah, um, we we tried to get a permit for North Cascades National Park, mm-hmm, and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mount Rainier National Park. You Mount look Rainier at National you. Park. You got them all right. Yeah. Google quick on that one. That was good. No, no, nice that's job. A, I know my national parks. You're the one that struggles. You do. You do. Yeah. I, okay. <laughs> it struggles. I'm the one passing trivia every week where okay. you are not. Well, I just passed. Uh, two so... out of three. Look at you. Gold star. Thank you. Gold Thank you. star. Okay. Well, Man. speaking of one of your more recent trivias, I have, I have a tidbit related to that. Okay. Mm. There was a blunder that you made in episode 189 about the olympics <laughs> do you know what i'm about talking the about the olympics the yeah. olympics yeah uh i don't remember that what do you what are we you gave about? me some trivia where you're like asking me about you know the last time denver hosted the olympics and it was a trick question yeah, oh yes and it was. they yes. they had they hadn't and so you're correct about that so and then but then you started like hassling me you're like you don't even know where you live you don't even know if your place has has uh you know host the olympics or not and you started going off about this uh-huh. and then I started saying, well, you've been living in California, so you should know California stuff because you've lived there your whole life. I haven't lived in the Denver area my whole life, right? Uh-huh. Right. But Olympics is a pretty pretty big fact, though. I don't just say so For know. sure. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So here's what you said. I, I, if I were you, I would feel foolish to not know that the Olympics... I know that the Olympics were in Los Angeles in 1988. I knew that. They're not in Los Angeles, my friend. Not in 1988. Not in 1988. Where was it? Well, they were in Los Angeles in 1984. Oh, that was the year. I want an apology. I want an apology. Wow. Wow. Oh, well, you know what? I want want you to own this. I want you to own it. I do. I do owe you an apology. I got my years wrong. It was was 1984. 88 Mm -hmm. was Seoul, Korea. So that that is my mistake. Yeah. Okay, so I guess I'm now in in your ridiculous. I'm I'm, I'm in your ridiculous boat, unfortunately. So okay, I'm gonna save that soundbite where it says that was my mistake. I'm just gonna replay that like from time to time throughout our shows. Okay, yeah, great, thank you. I accept your apology, Derek. I accept. Um, fun fact about the 1984 Olympics. So I lived in Mission Viejo at the time, and Mission Viejo is where they had the cycling event. The cycling event took place about a quarter mile from my house. Yeah. And I was, I mean, I'm a young kid at that point, but I was like, mom, dad, like the Olympics are down the street. Can we go watch? And they said, no. (laughs) (laughs) They said, no, it's going to be too crowded. It's not worth it. Can you imagine that? Like the Olympics are literally down the street and and parents say, no, we're not going to go watch. That is, that's not crazy. That's depressing. I would be, yeah. That's it's like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Exactly, like literally, yeah. So for a lot of people, right? For sure. Yeah. So okay, that was one Jeez. tidbit. We we mentioned the use of the uh, Vargo bot 
on a previous episode, and I got some feedback from Camel Cut, who said that he's used that, and that when he's gone up to higher elevations, he's like it's kind of suctioned in. He's had a harder time getting it open because it does have like a watertight seal. So I don't know. Do you do you have enough grip strength? You think even at higher elevations to get that thing open? Oh yeah, I and and I just bought a little tool. Uh, it opens jars very easily, and I thought you know when I'm older, I don't want to worry about it, so I got it now. Not that I need it, of course, because okay. you know grip strength is better than yours. <laughs> but uh, do I bring that tool on the trail? Maybe. <laughs> no. Just to clarify, you're making fun of my grip strength, but then telling everybody that you just bought a tool exactly, to open exactly. jars. <laughs> uh, I don't get it. That's how I roll, bro. I, I don't have that tool. I don't have a tool in my house. <laughs> all right, so Camel Cut, next time you bring all that weight savings you have by bringing the Vargo bot, just you know, throw it out the window by bringing a jar opener. <laughs> oh, man. See, I'm trying to be transparent. That is so ridiculous. Trying to be transparent. So ridiculous. You like that? I know. I love it. I know. There you go. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And then we, we also did an episode about, like, you know, group gear versus you know, being self-contained and Nathan from Wisconsin brought up a really good point is he brings group gear, not because he feels like it's necessary, but because he's bringing so many newbies along. He feels like he's got to provide the group gear. He's got to have that for everybody. So I think that's a really good scenario that group gear is a lot more appropriate. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right. I got one last thing I put out on Instagram a little bit ago. We're going to do these captions from time to time. And so I put out a, a picture from our Canyonlands trip where it was like this, it looked like this very large foot imprint with like a, you know, water filling it in like in a puddle. And I put my shoe next to it and it was massive. And so William from Maryland is the winner. He put down tonight on Mythbusters, we have Bigfoot step on a hiker to see if hikers are really 60% water and 40% dirt. Yes. Thank you, William. Please follow us on Instagram at Backpacking and Blisters Podcast to participate next time. I sent him off a uh, package of random gear from a random gear box. Okay, okay. So good for you, buddy. That's all you got. That's all I got, my friend. That's all I got. Yeah. That's all I got. Guys, uh, thanks again for tuning in. Check out the Patreon Backpacking Blisters Podcast. Um, Subscribe. Join the family. Get us. Get in here. Get some fun going in your life. Listen to put some backpacking podcasts with us. Uh, Side note: We have an episode out um, Hmm. called On the Road. With Je- with uh, villain Jesse. Oh that's right, our, okay. Our lead, yeah. Villain Jesse's Sorry. episode. Yeah, okay. Um, that's all I got, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Remember, guys, if you want to emasculate Carl, just complete that Mount Whitney trail your first time, and you will do so. No problem. Carl can hike alone, quote unquote alone. I mean, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where he's like, I need people around, I need people around, but he's never really alone because he's a huge, huge tree hugger and there's friends all over the place for him on the trail. So he's, he's good. You'd think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.